Hi, this is Al Jensen, and welcome to Seniors. This episode is going to be pretty interesting in that uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, some very important instances that took place in the New Testament. But let's talk a little bit about seniors. First, this blog is dedicated pretty much to seniors. Um, We will be bringing up things that uh, pertain specifically to the needs and wants of seniors. Hopefully we'll be able to be interviewing people that um, have expertise in that area. And so the blog, Seniors, S-E-N-I-O-R-Z-Z, will be new interesting stories that we will feature every week, maybe one or two, and talk about you know things that are useful to us. I'm a senior, and that what we can use um, in our lives. So without any further ado, let's uh, continue on. By the way, my name is Al Jensen. I'll be your host here for the next... Um, 15, 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, who knows. But we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the book of Luke. And and we're going to take that, uh, you know, a little bit further than uh, maybe normally you do when you read. So first, let's go back to Luke 2 and 52, which reads, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in the favor with God and man. Well, what does that mean? Well, what it means is fairly simply that Jesus in his lifetime uh, didn't sit back and let um, grass grow under his feet. He was out there doing whatever he needed to do in gaining more wisdom and more stature in favor with God and man. I wouldn't doubt that Jesus would have been ministered to on a regular basis from angels in heaven to teach him about the gospel and the importance about the gospel and the things that he should do. I mean, why wouldn't his father, God, give him every opportunity to learn and to increase in wisdom and stature? So I relate that to us today. You know, I think sometimes we feel like we've reached a plateau, especially as seniors, that, uh, you know, life is uh, maybe we're on the downward slide on this thing. And then maybe there's not much more that we can do to increase in wisdom and stature. And I'm going to disagree with that. I think that this stage in life, that there's probably more to do in wisdom and stature than ever in our life. And what do I mean by that? Well, I mean that our wisdom and our knowledge and our background puts new perspectives and opens up windows in things that years ago we never would even understand. And that as we contemplate the scriptures, as we contemplate the wisdom of mankind in books and television and movies and whatever, we have such a different and more accurate perspective of what happens and what could happen than we did a while ago. And so in that respect, we increase in wisdom and stature to the same time. And so our goal as seniors, I think, today is to do everything we can to become more in tune with ourselves and make available opportunities to increase in wisdom and stature. So my challenge is find things that you haven't done before. Maybe things that will stretch you a little bit. At one time I decided 
As I looked, as I drove around the point of the mountain and saw these guys hang gliding and girls hang gliding, I thought, my gosh, how would that be? You'd have to feel almost like a bird. And in the back of my mind, I thought, maybe I'm too old for this. Maybe there's not enough background, education, strength, whatever you want, <laughs> fortitude. But one day I got it all together and I decided I'm going to do this. And uh, my daughter happened to give me a free pass to it. And I went up there, handed him the pass, and I says, I'm ready to go. And it happened to be a good day. The person brought me, strapped me in. We got in together. And uh, he said, just hang on. And it was the most interesting experience because it felt like somebody was just pulling you up in the air from your shoulders. And once we were up there, there was no sounds. There was no motor. There was no, you know, <laughs> nothing. The only sound you could hear was the wind blowing through the sails that we had. And what a remarkable experience. You know, I think that's the closest that I've come to feeling like I was a bird and just feeling free and flying up there on this kite. I don't know what else you call it, on this parachute. And looking down and just catching the wind and moving around and ha. Huh. So, did I gain in wisdom and stature? Um, yeah, I did. You know, I learned a lot more about uh, birds. <laughs> I learned a lot more about wind and air and flight. And uh, and did I gain in stature? Yeah, I then came, overcame one of the biggest negatives that I had, and that is, you know, being afraid to do something like that. But boy, did did I feel bad about it? Not one second. So another story that I want to tell, and all the things that we have here about stories of the Bible, New Testament, and the next story I want to tell is about being about my father's business. And I'd like to read in Luke 41 to 49, where it says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast, and when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of him. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? Well, can you imagine that scenario? I recall once when, when we were asked to attend our little nephew, and he was only like two or three, and we had him in a department store. And for some reason or another, and you know how they can slip away from me, he took off. And we could not find him. I mean, and he, they had to shut down the entire store and almost shut down the mall and everybody went searching around for him. Then we could not find him. And do you think we were worried? We were worried sick. Think we were crying? Absolutely. Well, you know how it is. When you can't find someone you've lost or something you've lost, especially if it's a family member or an animal, anything like that. 
Well, lo and behold, we discovered as they searched at every one of the racks of clothing that he had gone underneath one of the clothing racks. And there he was, just kind of smiling and, and, you know, waiting for someone to come and get him. And he was just playing a game. And the game was hide-and-seek. And that was, um, you know, his way of uh, having fun at the mall. Well, what do you think Mary and Joseph felt when uh, Jesus was gone? <laughs> when he was nowhere to be found. And it wasn't for one day. It wasn't for two days. It was for three days. And for three days, he was gone. They couldn't find him. Could you imagine how Mary felt? Uh, how about Joseph? How about both of them? How about everybody around him? How about the relatives? How about all the people searching for him? Where has Jesus gone? And I'm sure Jesus thought that, that as he was about his father's business, that it would be of no need to let them know at this point that he is going to leave for three days. And he's there in the temple teaching doctors and lawyers and everybody else that was there, the scribes, about you know the gospel and answering questions. Well, they were frantically running around trying to find where he was. Well, Mary and Joseph finally found him. And could you imagine the reunion then? It's hard to get mad. You can't get mad because you found him. And you just want to hug him and squeeze him and hold him tight and then and then scorn them righteously. So I'll never do that again. But that whole scenario, I'm sure, <clears throat> expressed to me more than any other way this great love that the, these, this father and mother had and the natural love that they had. What occurred back then could have occurred today in a heartbeat. So it was very interesting to me to read this passage and how concerned as parents they were for Jesus as a young 12-year-old. So I'd like to talk in the next story a little bit about the three wise men and uh, how they came to, in Luke 2, how they came to visit the Savior. And it's very interesting as uh, you read this that a lot of the preconceived notions about the three wise men are not necessarily true. That, you know, you know, when did they come? Why did they come? Where did they come from? Um, what were they bearing? What gifts were they had? How many were there? I mean, there's a ton of questions out there that, that are not necessarily answered in the book of Luke. And so if you read in Luke 2, it talks about this, you know, the heavenly messengers coming to the shepherds and then the wise, then the wise men. And so let's just read this real quick. It goes, and came to pass in those days that there went forth a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, with Mary as a spouse's wife, being great with child. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by light. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, just imagine this scenario for just a moment. Here's some shepherds in the field, and they're, they're 
you know, watching their sheep and listening to their sheep and, you know, probably another night of whatever they have, mutton, porridge, whatever they're eating, talking about, you know, whatever they talk about as shepherds. And all of a sudden an angel appears. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, the last thing a bunch of shepherds would expect is an angel to show up and, and, uh, and talk to him. And so at first I'm sure they were in shock. You know, wait a minute, what is this specter in front of us? I have no idea. Is this a evil spirit, a good spirit, whatever? And then he pronounces to them uh, as to the birth of Jesus Christ and what was happening. And, and I'm sure he came down as a enlightened spiritual being. Well, you got to give the shepherds credit because I think that if it would have been any other group of people, that they would have looked and said, wait a minute, is this, is this coming from the right source? Or is this real or whatever? But the shepherds were humble and lowly and understood, you know, that great things can happen. And when the angel finally um, was there, there came a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. Well, Whew, can you imagine that? I mean, here is all of a sudden the angel appears, and then the tabernacle choir, you know, I mean, comes in as angels and singing glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill, the word man. And I'm sure that's probably not the only thing that they were singing. I'm sure there was a lot of other tunes that, you know, that they would sing, but it was a pretty miraculous event. You know, and, and finally, and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go now even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Well, the shepherds must have known or had an idea that something was going on in Bethlehem. For they knew that where to go, and they knew about a star, and they, they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And they said, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad, saying, which was told them concerning this child. Well, you know, they knew as they approached Mary and Joseph and the babe, they knew he was the Son of God. It was a testimony unto them. They felt his spirit. They felt his, you know, divineness. And then when they had seen it, they made known abroad. To others, well, I'm sure in some cases it was probably accepted, but I'm sure in a lot of other cases that the people would it would discount them totally. What you know, a shepherd coming to me telling he that he's seen angels and a multitude of angels, and he went down and saw the Son of God. You know, I don't know about you, but I think sometimes that would be a little unbelievable. And so they, I'm sure that there was you know issues trying to spread the word of what happened. And then it says, And all they that heard it, all these things, and pondered them in her heart. But Mary kept all these things. Um, oh, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And so the people that heard the message of the shepherds, and I don't know who they told, but probably people, you know, in Bethlehem and outlying areas, you know, Many of them, many of them felt the spirit of the truth of this message. And then it says in 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
And why would Mary do that? You know, Mary kept all these things. Well, what were the things that Mary kept? And, and the things that Mary kept that she didn't know about, but she learned about was, first of all, the angel Gabriel appearing to shepherds. Secondly, it was a multitude of heavenly hosts. And thirdly, was the shepherds themselves going forth and proclaiming what had happened. And she pondered that. Because I'm sure, I'm sure to a certain degree, although Mary knew that she had the Son of God, it didn't hurt at all to realize that this whole experience that she was going through was divine. That it was the hand of God behind this whole thing. That Joseph, although he was a part of it, God was the other part of it. And as she pondered these celestial things that would take place, you know, the, the angels and the singing and the shepherds and everything else. And the shepherds, it says in verse 20, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told unto them. Do you think anybody but shepherds at that point would have been doing that? I think there's a reason that the shepherds were selected. is because they were the ones, through their humility, would end up glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. And there they were, um, you know, watching their flocks by night, and the angel comes, and this whole thing just transforms 180 degrees to them. And I assume that maybe some would have run away and said, this is not right, or I'm scared. They, the shepherds stepped up to the plate, and they went forward, and they went and worshipped the Son of God. And when eight days, in 21, it says, And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, which was the custom of the Jews back then. The mother had to go through several days of what they call purification, which was, in a sense, you know, healing to a certain degree from the birth. I'm not a woman, but I understand that having a child is, isn't something you just snap your finger at. There comes a time when you just got to, you know, get your body back to normal. Uh, and so in verse 24, it says, and, and to offer, they went to the temple in Jerusalem to present him to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And so they went to the temple with the baby for the circumcision and an offering. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was a just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Simeon knew that the Son of God was coming. Simeon had prayed for this instance to take place. And when they approached him in the temple, 
for the circumcision, Simeon knew at that moment that he beheld the Son of God. Can you imagine the marvelous feeling Simeon had at that time, the fulfillment of the prophecy that the Son of God would come and that Simeon was informed as a prophet of God that he would have the opportunity to see this holy child? He must have been ecstatic. You know, he must have absolutely, you know, been so joyful and so happy that he was spared long enough to uh, be able to be there with this, uh, with the Son of God. Now let's turn to Matthew 2, 1 through 12. Now when Jesus was born at Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. First of all, let's pause there and talk a little bit about that. Herod was the king back then. He wasn't a very righteous king. He was a pretty wicked king. And that um, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. And they asked, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Well, why would they come to Herod the king and ask him where the king of the Jews is born? Because I think they would figure that if anybody would know, if someone was supposed to be king of the Jews, that it certainly would be Herod. And as they approached him with this, and I'm sure that these wise men were men of accountability, you know, kings and rulers and whatever, so they had a fair fair share of credibility and asked him, where where are these? You know, where are they? Where is this, this Jesus that you've talked about? And when Herod heard this, you know, he got all upset and and uh, and said when he had gathered all his chief priests and the scribes and the people together he demanded of them where is this Christ should be born where is he going to be and uh, and they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea for thus it is written by the prophet and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah for out of thee shall come a governor that may rule my people Israel. What? You know, Herod's saying, isn't Bethlehem one of the lowest places that we have out there? Why in the heck would anybody, especially the leader of the Jews, the Son of God, be born in a place like Bethlehem? So, you know, I guess uh, you can see the concern that Herod had. And, you know, questioning the credibility of this birth, questioning the credibility of the wise man, but yet on the same token, I'm sure he felt, you know, this, uh, this holy presence, this need that the wise men had as they came and talked to him. So Herod then called the wise man together and to come in and speak to him and, uh, about the star. And where did you learn about this? What, uh, what are you following? Where is it going? And, um, and they told him that they saw this star, I'm sure, and they were following it because they knew that through prophecy that this star would uh, foretell the birth of Jesus Christ. And to follow it uh, would lead you to that location. And so he sent them to Bethlehem. And Herod sent the wise men to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when he have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him. Well, 
that's a lie, and and certainly that's not the case. Uh, Herod wanted to do nothing but take care of him and get rid of him. And when and re- remember, he says, search diligently for the young child. It didn't say search diligently for the baby. The baby had turned into a young child, and I don't know exactly the age, but you know, probably a toddler, or maybe a little older, maybe uh, you know, four or five or whatever. And um, they're going to go worship this child. And when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. So here's this young child who is standing, I'm sure, and maybe he can even talk. Um, and this star is above him, pointing not in the manger, not in a stable, not with cattle around him, <laughs> not with shepherds kneeling down in front, you know. <laughs> this is not the birth scene. This is not the nativity. This is a, this is a, four or five years later when they were visited. He was visited, the Son of God, by um, these uh, wise men. Um, and it says, And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. So the star, the light of the star, I would assume, probably lit the building he was in or even lit him you know the son of god and when they were coming to the house they saw the young child with mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him well you've got you got kings and leaders and and very important people who are now on their knees worshiping a young boy the son of god born in jerusalem and they brought him treasures. And uh, Mary, his mother, fell down and worshipped him also. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, the question always comes back, were there more than three wise men? It doesn't say that there were three wise men. It doesn't say there were 15 wise men. It doesn't say there was 20. It doesn't say... All it says is they offered him three treasures and gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So there might have been others. Maybe two or three of them offered gold. Maybe four or five of them offered, you know, frankincense, and some offered myrrh. And so maybe rather than follow the myth of just three wise men, maybe we can follow through and see that there are a lot more were a lot more, you know, kings and leaders there to see the Savior. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country in another way. So, God told them to not go back to this evil man. Herod to a large degree, I think, knew that there is a strong possibility that the birth of the Savior took place and that in no way would his power be usurped or taken away uh, by some baby born in Bethlehem. So what it boils down to is, is he, in a sense, is going to do everything he can to... Eliminate this uh, son of God, and we know from then that he does. He uh, has a, a gross extermination of children and every other, you know, horrible thing that he could do to uh, to prevent 
the Son of God for exist, from existing. So, that wraps up today's discussion. Let's talk a little bit about what we've learned. Okay, so there's a couple of things. Uh, first of all, we started out with, um, you know, an interesting uh, scripture that talks about, you know, growing in stature and wisdom. And we talked about that, uh, indeed, we all, uh, regardless of our age, have opportunities to grow in wisdom and stature. That really never comes to an end. And that he, as we do that, uh, will gain uh, greater wisdom and, and greater knowledge as to the things of this world as well as um, the things of uh, spiritual things. The next was, are we about our father's business? You know, and as Jesus tells his parents as he left them, that indeed that's what he was doing. And I think the interesting part of that, although he did leave him for three days, was the fact that he was so dedicated and so consumed with the, with the teaching that he had and the knowledge that he had to share with others, that his full dedication was to be about his father's business. And I think sometimes in our situations, we need to refocus again on things that we're doing and, and look at, are we about our Father's business? Are we dedicated? Are we committed to that, to the Father's business? And finally, we learn a little bit about the Savior's birth and the shepherds and the humility of the shepherds. And the interesting part of it is, is that God approaches those who are humble and lowly in heart and that who seek his uh, direction and guidance through, through faith. And certainly the shepherds were in that category. And I think a lot of us probably ought to take a look at that possibility of being more lowly in heart, being more humble, being more prepared to literally see angels of God and choruses of angels. And then when the shepherds came and saw the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, I'm sure that that was a momentous time for them. I'm sure that as they approached Mary and Joseph, that there was some intrepidation as to who are these people? What are they going to do? Are they going to kick us out? Are they going to you know, provide problems for us? But as they saw the Spirit of the Lord in their eyes, as they saw that they had seen an angel of God and heard choruses of angels, I'm sure they sensed the awe and wonder that they had to come and see the Son of God and see Him there in, the, in those lowly surroundings. So that basically wraps up this lesson. So fun to give it to you. Um, my wife and I are heading out on a cruise, which will be kind of fun. We're heading to New Zealand and Australia, which uh, we've wanted to do for a long time. I am going to pack my microphone in my bag and uh, take it along with me so that I can do some podcasting out on the ocean, which I think will be fun. And I'm sure I'm going to run into some very interesting people where we can podcast together and learn some interesting things uh, about uh, people are not necessarily uh, here in Salt Lake City. So thank you for uh, listening. It's been Seniors, S-E-N-I-O-R-Z-Z-Z. And please share this with your friends and relatives, neighbors. And hopefully we can become, you know, a site that uh, seniors will listen to and grow from. So thanks again for listening.